0: For nothing. <laughs> <I will lie. laughs>
1: Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have an important issue uh, episode for you this week. We are covering some big Kentucky political news with a Russian twist. Uh, we've got Doug Price coming correct with Doug Price is right back after a too long hiatus. Uh, and we're happy to welcome Louisiana's founder uh, and leader of the noir black chamber of commerce, John Shaw Wu, to the show Uh, We then close with a critical call to action. Uh, But before we get into it, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Because we know our Commonwealth has some work to do. We're going to beat back the red wave of bad politics and policy from the GOP supermajority in Frankfurt. From about a dozen bills, uh, which are looking to put their judgment between your kids and their teachers, to cutting taxes for the wealthy while blocking investments in our Commonwealth, we are going to need your help. Uh, if you want to commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. Uh, we don't make it too hard. All you got to do is follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you spend time on social media. Make sure to like and share and comment on our content. Join our Facebook group, Journals of Truth on Facebook. Uh, if you like what you're hearing right now on, uh, on the show, on the live stream, on the podcast, give us a thumbs up, leave us a review, or share out the show. Really, give us a thumbs up. Help help us boost the algorithm so more folks get the get the message uh, and and get some truth about what's going on in Frankfurt and across our Commonwealth. But uh, before we get into, let's check in with our co-hosts, wonderful wonderful folks uh, spending their evenings with you uh, here on the interwebs. Uh, let us know who you are, where you are, and what does your protest sign say today? So, uh, and if you're watching, uh, if you're watching, go ahead and put your protest sign in the comments, what are you protesting today? Uh, so, uh, or celebrating perhaps. Mine is actually more of a celebration than a protest. So uh, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from uh, Childsburg, which is a lovely community on the outskirts of Lexington. And my sign says, go Katura, go. Uh, and I'm gonna check in with Kimberly.
2: Well, good evening and I'm coming to you live actually from Louisville, Kentucky down in the West End and the beautiful, beautiful office here of Noir Black Chamber of Commerce. But I've got a a protest sign tonight that I think you guys are going to be a little jealous of. I, I just really think this. And mine is actually the cover of a magazine and how you like these apples. This is Miss USA L Smith, who is representing Lu- not only just Louisville, but Kentucky. Can you all believe it? Isn't she beautiful? And my sign would say inspire. I think all of us need to get a little inspired right now. Back to you,
1: Aaron. Nice, absolutely inspired, fantastic. All right, Doug, how about you?
0: Uh, sure, I'm Doug Price from Harrison County, Kentucky where we have lots of room for growth and still have plenty of room for privacy. My sign says, I have an actual sign, please let the session be over soon. (laughs) Well, Doug, Doug, I got new,
1: good news for you. They're over halfway to the end of the session now. So let's go ahead and get into the news. Uh, I love actually, I love that Doug is always plugging Harrison County. Uh, I hope that the chamber of commerce uh, is sponsoring your appearances on Colonels of Truth, Doug, because you are constantly plugging and supporting your community, which is wonderful. Meanwhile, I'm making uh, backhanded uh, <laughs> comments about my community. So Childsburg clearly uh, you know, doesn't like me as much as uh, Harrison County likes you, I'm pretty sure.
2: Um, Can I just say, I've been holding this up.
1: Yeah, what do you got there, Kimberly? <laughs>
2: That is, you all are like, okay, whatever. This this woman right here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: this yeah. is Black History Month. She happens to be black. Mm-hmm. And she is Miss USA. Okay, she's not just Miss Kentucky. She won the whole thing. She beat out all the other 49 girls. And I thought you all would think this was a nanny, Because if you're looking at her, who is she representing? The team I don't like, University of Kentucky.
1: Whoa, whoa! Let's not get into that. I mean, <laughs> you know, we like to we like to cover some you know controversial issues, but we want to stay well away of uh, the <laughs> Louisville v. UK. Uh, all right, you so know I love
2: all of them. She, yeah, no,
1: she seems awesome. Uh, is it? Was she a local newscaster? Was that her? Yes, day? she
2: was. She was uh, right here in Louisville, at WHS, but she has to live in LA
0: now because
2: as the USA people, they tell her where she needs to live.
0: Oh. She was she was doing the Y at a UK basketball game, which is a great honor. They've never asked me, but, you know, maybe one of these days they will. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. so. Maybe
2: You come down here and do an L. <laughs> I would do a day. Okay, home. Aaron, we're, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Doug and I, we're done.
1: We're done. Love to them all. They're both (laughs) wonderful. Uh, You know, and K-State, the Thoroughbreds, you know, whatever, whatever, um, you know, mascot and sports ball teams you want to support, like, just do it. That's great. Good on you. But we're talking politics. We're talking politics. We only got two teams. We got the red team and the blue team. I hope we're all agreed. Right here, we are on the blue team. Uh, Just... Speaking for Progress, Kentucky. Not our guests. Not our guests tonight. Not our guests in episodes to come. You know, you can be whatever side uh, of the of the game, or choose to you know extricate yourself from that game uh, if you if you if you like. So, at any rate, I was going to get into a story about a specific bill, right? So we are halfway to sign die, like the end of the session. The sixty day session is past day thirty, I think thirty four through five. The bad is just keeping. Uh, keep coming. Sorry. Uh, they're coming at us quick. Uh, they're getting kind of more strategic about how they bring them up. Uh, the ones that, you know, would kind of suffer a lot of public pushback uh, will likely show up as amendments uh, to other bills or replacement bills. They know how to, you know, get stuff through without the public noticing as much as, uh, as we might want the public to know, uh, which, you know, as the GOP supermajority has gotten more comfortable in power, they've done more things to make it easier for them to slide stuff through, which is good government there, right there, GOP. That's what they stand for, clearly. Um, But in in addition to the time we spent on the multiple teacher gag bills, the utility giveaway bill, more on that later, the anti-LGBTQ kids bills, you know, positive bills. We've mentioned some uh, positive bills, most unlikely to get a hearing. The General Assembly in uh, Frankfurt did actually make uh, some history today. So today they uh, clawed back, or they passed a bill to claw back $15 million from Brady Industries. I think it's now called Unity Industries. So we are going to give them credit for that. That's SB48. Y'all remember Brady Industries, right? The so far failed project to build an aluminum rolling plant in Ashland. This was an investment championed by then Governor Matt Bevan. It was rubber stamped by the GOP supermajority with precious few questions. Uh, Some of the other key funding beyond our tax dollars was from Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska's company, 200 million more in a contract to purchase the aluminum. Of course, for that to happen, he needed federal clearance. To invest in the U.S. again, as he had been previously sanctioned. So this is a really important story. I'm glad they did it today because obviously those kind of unseemly oligarch investments in Kentucky, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons Moscow Mitch got his name. Uh, Stable genius Trump, uh, you know, made that uh, those uh, those sanctions disappear. Of course, that was something that Trump was you know very interested in doing. Uh, yet the deal still fell apart despite the, the kind of Moscow bucks. Uh, the company now called Unity Alu- Aluminum under new leadership. I think actually someone from Bevan's economic development cabinet is actually heading it up now. Still like, gamely trying to get this project off the ground. Good luck with that. As much as it would be great to have an, an aluminum plant in that area. Uh, it seems like uh, this is not a great idea. Uh, the taxpayers you know want to get our money back before it gets frozen in the biden administration's sanctions on russian oligarch resources which of course is happening as we speak as tanks are rolling into uh, ukraine uh, that's obviously one of the the most i guess safest ways for us to respond to that aggression is to uh to put Sanctions in place, so I guess there was a there was a moment when it was okay to spend um, Moscow money in uh, Kentucky. That moment has passed. Uh, we will see what happens with a Unity Aluminum, but wonderful to hear that SB forty eight passed today uh, through the Senate to get that money back. Of course, it'll have to go through the House as well. I think it's unanimous, so it was, it was a very unifying. Yeah. You know, Hey, they, they earned the name Unity Aluminum uh, because they got everyone to vote to get, try to get that money back. Fifteen million dollars. Hope to see it happen. Uh, all right. Do you have any thoughts about Brady Industries and this uh, Moscow money into our steel mill or aluminum mill?
0: Uh, sure. I'd like to jump in and say a couple of things. You mentioned about uh, the Bevanites who have been on the board or involved with Brady Industries. One of the guys who was, I guess, up front in the very beginning, Terry Gill, he was a former economic development secretary. And uh, he was the acting CEO of Unity for a while. And now Unity's senior vice president, Nate Henry, is carrying the torch for Unity. And I don't have any figures to to back this up, but just think about that. Fifteen million dollars, people from Russia involved. Uh, oligarchs and all that, as opposed to Governor bashir bringing in an American company, Ford Motor Company, and a multi-million dollar uh, development in Kentucky. That's all you got to know.
1: Yeah, a lot less uh, fly-by-night. Those Ford investments, you can actually bank on those becoming reality, mm-hmm. as opposed to this kind of just grand scheme and uh, and you know seemingly. It just always felt a little shady, you know. They spent more on their fence down there than they spent on the actual, you know, construction of the facility. Uh, really shady stuff. All right, Kimberly, you want to you want to weigh in here, or do you want to uh, jump into your news under five? <laughs> no,
2: I want to. I want to stop here just for a second.
1: All right, absolutely. So
2: we're hoping that a bill moves through where this company is going to give back to the taxpayers. Fifteen million dollars, right? Right. And and if
1: they don't pay it, what happens? We get all their aluminum. No, yeah, you know, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a long shot bill because I think if they yeah most you know, they, but they are pulling together their you know financing. They're still you know Bevin's leaders, uh, Bevin's former leaders are actively involved trying to pull this deal together. Uh, but, of course, that's a little bit, you know, the fact that I think they've got till March or something like that to to uh, to to finalize their investments. Uh, and there's some interesting quotes from some of the leadership saying that, oh, we've been read in. We can't talk about it through nondisclosure because of non disclosure agreements. But we're really hopeful that this uh, this deal will actually, you know, come to fruition and the plant will ultimately be built. Uh, so, you know, we'll see you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you, uh, fool me twice, uh, shame on me. Right. So I, 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 I I think it's highly unlikely that a unity aluminum will ever happen or B we will ever get $15 million out of the company, but you know, the principle I think is well worth the vote. That's for sure.
2: Well, um, my sources are telling me that all they do is just argue all the time and nothing
0: gets done. I want to jump in here on one other thing. Um, Several months ago, I did a segment on this Brady Industries thing, and I I didn't go back and and look at the exact figures, but there were young people who signed up to go to a two- to four-year community college program where they were guaranteed jobs when they graduated from that program, uh, $60,000, $80,000 a year jobs, and then, you know, nothing. All that just went away.
1: Yeah, a lot of just disingenuous, really shady behavior from the folks who are putting this thing together. It is really, it's remarkable. You know, I think, Doug, you nailed it, you know, earlier. The, the Bevan administration versus the Bashir administration, you know, night and day. In terms of how serious they are about you know their their uh, their efforts and what they're gonna get done, you know.
2: I believe that. And I, I just think it's uh, it's it's a pipe dream, so to speak, or what you want to call the cold dream. And I also feel like they just put these things out to make the constituency think that they're doing something when they need to be working together for middle-class, poor, high class, whatever the case may be, working for Kentuckians. That's why they're there, period. And we're probably not going to get $15 million, but they need to find another way to do $15 million. But they're not going to do that. So uh, our best bet is to just to continue to uh, vote them out and vote in the people that are actually going to propel uh, the the things that we need actually i mean that's the only only thing we can do this is an election year and i'm just gonna say vote 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 that is the most we can do because this particular uh circus in frankfurt is not gonna change anytime soon until we get them out of there and it's like what 25 of us and what is it 75 of them it's not gonna change back to you Aaron.
1: Oh yeah. No, I think you're right. If we want better leadership, we need to elect better leaders since it's that exactly. simple. Uh, yes. all right. So we've got, speaking of, uh, electing better leaders, I think you've got a couple st- or a story that absolutely speaks to that, but, uh, yeah, so you've got your news under five. I think Doug's got his uh, timer ready to go. Uh, and, I don't trust uh, him anymore either. You're, I don't you're trust hard to please. That. You're hard to please. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last two, if not three, episodes of kernels of truth you have come in under the timer so like there, no one's got their thumb on the scale here can really everyone's rooting for you no one's no <laughs> one's getting in your way we're not cheating we want to this okay.
2: Yeah.
1: okay so uh, first up
2: is the most phenomenal news that's going to make everybody so happy and that we have a new state representative uh Katura Cout- Heron took the place of State Representative Reggie Meeks. And not only that, she is the first openly LGBTQIA plus state representative from Louisville. So, I mean, it was just wonderful. I went to the watch party last night at a hotel here called the uh, VU uh, Guest House. Actually, it was just really nice. And um, so many people were there uh, just giving her all the motivation, congratulating her, and celebrating couture Heron. And she was our guest last week. Am I correct, Aaron, on that?
1: Yes, last week. She had the very famous uh, Colonels of Truth bump. Got her right in the right office. Uh, I think sure. you're running
2: into my time,
1: Aaron. <laughs> you, you asked me a question. <laughs> <you> an answer.
2: <laughs> so she is marvelous. She's She's been dealing she has, I said she's been dealing. She has also been to Frankfurt many, many times, going across the aisle, trying to make some things happen. She was with the ACLU. She had to give that up to become our state rep. The special election was yesterday. Although turnout was uh, dismal, she still won by a landslide. Only 100 and something votes for the Republican and over 1,900 votes for uh, Keturah. And also her partner was just as happy. And uh, Miss Hannah Drake was there. Her mother was just had tears of joy. It was a beautiful, monumental moment for all of us uh, in Kentucky to have her. And we know she's going to do a good job. Okay. Second of all, I'm just going to run through these, some things that are going on in Kentucky. First of all, Right here in Kentucky, we always do it first, right? The Louisville neurosurgeons marvel at the first ever recording of a dying human brain. And you say, well, why is that news? Because they had to go through a lot of hoops and loops and and, um, whatever you want to call it to try to get that done. And Now it is recorded in history, Kentucky once again on the map. Second of all, Trump says that Putin is a stronger leader than President Biden. And you know what I think about that? And I think everybody out there is like, who the hell cares? Exactly. Next on the agenda is the Lexington Legends. In Lexington, they took the time out to um, honor and celebrate many of the athletes uh, that were Black and to celebrate them in Lexington. I think it was wonderful and great. They, they're they doing something like that here also in Louisville and uh, Bowling Green, I do believe. So that's my news in five. I mean, like, what's my time?
0: What's my time? Oh, my goodness. 3 minutes and 19
2: seconds. Oh, and even and he took like 30 seconds of it, so I still got some Not more true. time. Like what do you all think about there is now a recording of the first time in history there is an actual recording of a dying human brain?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I I don't have a lot of, I I don't have a lot of thoughts about that one. My my brain is right Right now, Dad. Apparently, I I don't got nothing, I don't have anything to say about that.
2: I just like the fact that you know everybody can look at us that we're that we're tr- on trend that we are setting the bar for the rest of the country internationally. Matter of fact, and one more thing I wanted to tell you, right here in one of our most um, impoverished areas of Louisville, right here in Jefferson County, which is called West Louisville, today was a great. Great, great press conference, and our governor was here in Louisville today, and with a partnership with Goodwill Industries and Norton's, they're going to be spending between 70 and $100 million to have something called Opportunity Campus, and also they're going to have a full-fledged hospital, ER, everything, a hospital. It's been over 100 years since there was a hospital in this particular area of town, and that's my news and five.
1: Awesome, uh, good stuff. Thank you for sharing some some positive news there, some creepy news there, uh, and some bad news. So, uh, you gave us gave us everything, everything could <laughs> possibly hope for Kimberly. Thank you. All right, now uh, really excited uh, that you know uh, that we are we're going to be uh, bringing back our wildly popular segment. So popular, it gets its own. Theme song. That's right. Doug Price is right. This week, Doug is doing his fact festooned deep dive into the behind-the-scenes spending spree in the General Assembly. Let's let's cue up that that theme. <laughs>
0: Welcome to another edition of Doug Price's Right, bringing truth to the people. Tonight I'll be talking about money in the Kentucky legislative politics. The other night I was mindlessly listening to the goings on in the Kentucky House. I heard a Kentucky uh, a legislator, a Republican legislator, talking about a bill he supported that sought to limit the amount of funds being provided to county clerks in an effort to help with elections. The representative said. We want to get money out of politics. Almost fell on the floor. Let's talk about money in politics as it relates to information from the Kentucky Legislative Ethics Commission, along with information from a Career Journal article written by one of my favorite reporters, Joe Sanka. For the period from January 1st to the 31st of this year, companies spent $2,397,745.38 $2,397,745.38 to lobby legislators. That's one month. You can download all kinds of information from the Legislative Ethics Commission, but what you can't determine is the name of the legislators who are lobbied. Doesn't that seem like a bit of information one would need? I talked with a friend who is a registered legislative agent and he confirmed that the Ethics Commission does not require agents to note what legislator they connected or contacted in order to support or oppose bills. During the session, lobbyists must report the names of the companies, organizations they were paid to lobby for by the bill number monthly and after the session every three months only by the topic they lobbied. I chose a bill that garnered some interest and attempted to follow the money. Representatives Dixon, Fister, D.J. Johnson, Lawrence, and Sharp co-sponsored House Bill four four seven. This is a bill that provides a tax break for individuals who own and register airplanes in Kentucky. I was able to determine that North Norton Healthcare paid money to lobby on this bill, and possibly on behalf of a company called Air Methods Corporation. Air Methods also paid lobbyists on a different bill. Missing part of the puzzle is whether or not the above reps were lobbied by either of those corps to convince the reps to write and or support the bill. I contacted the Ethics Commission to inquire about this, and the executive director, Laura Hendricks, stated that lobbyists or employers are not required by law to report which legislators they lobby. We know who proposes and passes the laws, so don't expect this policy to change. Again, over $2.3 million was spent in one month by corporations, orgs, nonprofits, etc., We have no idea of the names of those members who were lobbying. Kentucky Legal Cities has interest in House Bill 297, which was a housekeeping bill filed on behalf of the Kentucky Public Pension Authority Board. An amendment filed on this bill, and I believe dictated by the Kentucky Legal Cities, was approved by the House and sent to the Senate for action. How much did KLC spend to lobby On behalf of an amendment to this bill that is not supported by the KPPA. We know that in January, KLC spent $26,114 lobbying legislators. KLC was mentioned on the floor as being an org that lobbying in favor of an amendment, one that I ardently oppose along with many other retirees of the Kentucky state government. The system is stacked against we the people in the favor of those with money here are some of the other top spenders in the month of January 2022 Kentucky Chamber of Commerce 41,000 ACLU 39,000 Kentucky Hospital Association 37,600 Altria Client Services almost 25,000 and Pacomatic of Kentucky 20500 The one you don't recognize in this list is PacoMatic. This company manufactures a game called Burning Barrel with cash rewards, but critics say it's virtually indistinguishable from the casino slot machines, which are illegal in Kentucky. According to the Kentucky Lottery Corporation, they are now at least 1,245 pack type machines and 317 retailers across 66 counties in Kentucky. Will that 20500 buy legislation? My best guess, stay tuned. The bottom line, it's all about the money. Businesses do not spend millions of dollars and expect nothing in return. Back to you, Aaron.
1: Uh, thanks, Doug. Uh, some big figures, some, uh, clearly some significant investments are being made behind the scenes in our legislature to to seal the deal and win the day on, on the bills that these guys are carrying for them. So really, um, you know, and I think, I think it's pretty clear that our part-time legislature uh, are not doing the heavy lifting on a lot of these bills, right? I think the quotes, and if you t- hear them talk about the bills, it's rare that they you know have put a ton of scrutiny. some of them have expertise that built through the years and' are really passionate about what the issue areas they work on, but a lot of times it just seems really clear that the kind of right lobbyists got to the wrong legislature and uh, legislator and just you know they're putting it forward solely because of you know who who asked them to do it, not what that bill would do all right, so I think we are now really excited to have our our guest join us uh, hopefully uh, ready to go. we've got uh a, a really, I think, an interesting, you know, we're kind of taking a step away from the activism and politics uh, and into kind of some other ways that folks can have impact in their community uh, to make things better across our Commonwealth. Uh, and to, to have that conversation, we're going to bring on uh, John Shawu with the Noir Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, to hear a bit about him and his work there in Louisville. And actually, I think actually the, the Noir Black Chamber of Commerce is, uh, is more of an even a national organization as well, but some really firm, firm roots there in Louisville. So, uh, John, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
3: Yeah, Aaron, uh special thanks to you and Kim and Doug uh, for asking me to come on the show. Uh, and so, you know, I'm happy to come on and talk about Noir Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Kimberly Cecil Jones is actually a member of the chamber. And so uh, I'll give you, a, a, I'll try to give you the, the quick kind of uh, background uh, on the chamber. So uh, Noir Black Chamber of Commerce was launched in late uh, 2019 Uh, It's the byproduct of a previous organization that I started um, at the beginning of 2019 called Noir Black Social Group. And so around that time, I was sitting on some bank boards and city committees, and I realized that there wasn't a platform for Black entrepreneurs and small Black businesses to be able to come together and to learn best business practice education. And so I reached out to a couple of friends who had businesses. Uh, They are not your uh, traditional Chamber of Commerce members. Uh, They are, you know, uh, salon owners, lawn care service uh, company owners, and so on. And so we began to meet on a monthly basis, uh, and each time we met, we had a different speaker who would come and give a, a speech on different types of business uh, uh, education. It could be on marketing. It could be on uh, hiring and so on. And so the group started to grow and it was growing in a good direction. And so I did a little bit of research, realized that there there used to be a Black Chamber of Commerce in Louisville, but it just kind of dissipated. And so I went forward with uh, establishing the White Black Chamber of Commerce not knowing that uh, it is the only black chamber of commerce in Kentucky. And so with that, uh, we began our mission in trying to work with uh, black entrepreneurs, small black businesses, and trying to set up their companies the right way, making sure that they have completed every single step of the process that will allow them to grow. And so uh, with that, we've been able to uh, help uh, businesses get registered. Uh, What we try to do is do mentoring. We try to give uh, 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 each of our member a strategy session in regards to growth, marketing, uh, connections, and so on. Uh, In addition to the chamber uh, uh, focusing on uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs, We are unique in that we are a certified CDE, a community development entity under the U.S. Department of Treasury. What that means is that we are actually able to identify large economic development projects in low-income areas around the country, and we can submit those projects once a year to try to receive new market tax credit allocations to then be able to sell those and fund those projects. So I was very interested in getting that certification because uh, there are two national programs specific for low income areas to create uh, economic development. Uh, Those programs are uh, New Market Tax Credits and Opportunity Zones uh, projects. And so those two uh, projects um, have not yielded the results that were intended, meaning that they were supposed to go into these low income areas hire people in those neighborhoods and help revitalize the neighborhoods. What has happened is the projects have become more beautification projects. So I wanted to make sure that I could identify projects that would create, uh, I'm sorry, that would create jobs in low income areas. So if you think about the chamber, just think about the chamber uh, split in two different categories. One is focused on members The other side is focused on economic development. Now, going back to the member side, so the chamber is focused on moving Black America forward through the creation of innovative programming that will lead to economic and social mobility. So when Breonna Taylor, when they were protesting Breonna Taylor and George Floyd's killings, uh, I was sitting at home trying to figure out how does Black war and Black America recover from this? And so I remembered that in uh, 2019, uh, 2017, I sat on a city committee called Resilience. The city had received a grant from the Rockefeller Foundation to bring together a group of collaborators to look at all the shocks and stresses of the city and to create a roadmap on how to recover from these particular issues. So a shock could be COVID. How do you deal with it? How do you recover from it? A stress could be too many jobs open and not enough people to fill those jobs. So when I thought about it, I realized that we had uh, completed, I'm sorry, um, we had completed the actual roadmap. And so I wanted to revisit that, to look at that roadmap to see uh, if there were any issues or were there any categories that we could identify and create a roadmap for black Louisville? So we identified 10 particular pillars that we're focused on that we believe that if we could create strategic programming around that we would be able to see immediate changes in uh, the lives of black Americans. So the first four pillars are focused on business education. So how do we create programs to uh, assist Black entrepreneurs to start, small Black businesses to grow, medium-sized businesses to sustain through federal contracts, and then how do we help Black corporate professionals rise within their organization? The next six pillars are focused around community, which we consider root causes. So for years now, the federal government and uh, nonprofits have been putting money towards symptoms, but they haven't been addressing the actual root causes, which if they did, it would eliminate all of the symptoms. So with that, we identified the first uh, pillar, which is focused on black community trauma. So there is no national black community trauma platform where black Americans can learn how to identify, work through and move past trauma. The next pillar is focused on moving our black teams towards higher professional careers. So how do we move them towards becoming doctors, lawyers, engineers, business executives? The next pillar is focused on how do we capture those non-college bound black teams and move them towards job training and apprenticeship programs before they get lost in the system, after they graduate from high school, or they receive that GED. The next pillar is focused on welfare reform. So how do we bring entitlement recipients, I'm sorry, uh, uh, I don't know if you can still hear me, but um, how, how do we bring uh, entitlement recipients to the table with lawmakers To say entitlement recipients need the option to either enroll in a two year college for free or enroll in a job training program. So as they graduate and make more money, then their services are dwindled down not them going out and getting an $8 an hour job, and immediately they cut their childcare and their bus fare. So what has happened is that the welfare system has created a, a generational poverty, and we need to eliminate that through job training and a, a, a college programs. Um, the next pillar is focused on home ownership. So how do we move our black families toward home ownership? So our chamber has created an 11 step program where we walk our clients through the process that leads to home ownership uh, in regards to connecting them to a credit repair company, uh, connecting them to the city's down payment assistance program, also enrolling them in an online uh, HUD-certified program where they receive a certificate that will allow them to apply for additional funding. We pair them with a real estate agent and an insurance broker and so on. The next and final pillar is focused on how do we connect black talent to corporate placement? So how do we uh, connect corporations to black talent? So we are currently working uh, on an initiative where we have realized that in order to change the landscape of Black America, we need to invest in our Black teens, ages nine to 24 years of age. So the chamber has begun establishing Black, uh, noir Black business clubs on university campuses. So we have established our first uh, uh, club at the University of Louisville, And we have commitments from Kentucky State University, Bellarmine University, and we've recently connected with 83 universities across the country. The the premise of these clubs are actually to teach business education earlier and uh, to teach business etiquette uh, and so on. The clubs would be led by students on the campuses uh, and it would be tailored to education that they want to learn about. For example, they are interested in learning uh, resume building, uh, networking, internships, job placement, public speaking, presentation, and so on. So we believe that if we could start earlier with our program, we're even uh, uh, focused on uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, and college students. So if we could start very early, then what will happen over time is we'll see more successful Black entrepreneurs and Black corporate professionals. So that kind of gives you a little bit um, of an overview of what we actually do as the chamber. Uh, We currently have over 280 members across 16 states. So we started in Louisville with about 10 members but we've actually grown nationally. And so what we try to do is all of our programming, we try to create on a national platform so that people around the country can participate in what we try to create. So, yeah.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, And that was just the introductory question. So, yeah, (laughs) John, you clearly are very passionate about the work you're doing. It's a lot. The pillars and programs sound very impressive. You know, I think that, it's wonderful to hear because the need is absolutely important. I found some just statistics from the Brookings Institution talking about there are 124,000 black businesses, which accounts for about 2%, just over 2% of the employer businesses in the country, but black folks in our country are about 14%, right? So if black business ownership kept pace with, you know, the actual, you know, amount of folks in the population, uh, there would be about a, almost a million more Black businesses in our country. And currently, Black businesses bring in an average revenue of about a million dollars compared to about six and a half million dollars for non-Black businesses. Uh, if Black businesses increase their average revenue to the level of non-Black businesses, it would actually increase total revenues uh, from those Black businesses through those Black businesses by 676 billion dollars. Uh, so, you know, the amount of, you know, economic activity that, you know, groups like yours could be inspiring or helping to inspire and, and, and grow is really staggering. And I think, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts about, you know, the, the links between kind of civil rights and, and kind of the economic, you know, economic change and, uh, and, and, and social change and how those two things are inextricably linked uh, and kind of your commitment to, to helping level level the playing field.
3: Yeah, so what I would say about that is I, I kind of get the feeling that the federal government and a lot of entities are kind of rushing uh the black population towards uh starting businesses and and so on. But what I would say is that and 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 I usually just tell this tell people just straight out. That, you know, based on on my experience, what I've realized is that we as black people are not great at business. We're not great at business because we haven't been in that role uh, for 400 years and that experience has not been, uh, 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 um, you know, handed down from generation to generation from family to family like white families so what we need to do is start from the very beginning in regards to learning business so we have to understand how do you set up a business how do you grow your business And so what I find is that, yeah, it's very easy to start a business. You can do it in less than 15 minutes on on the uh, Secretary of State's Mm -hmm. website, but you don't have the infrastructure to learn how to grow that business. And so what I find is that it's very difficult to get adults to learn business education. Mm -hmm. So that's why my chamber is moving towards the younger population and trying to get them involved in business education because they're in a learning phase. So what happens is as they grow, it becomes second nature to them. So what I would say is that we need to learn business education before we move into those next pillars. So that's why you see there's not enough black businesses out there, but we have to start the process of learning so that we can eventually grow, uh, uh, get there, and have more successful businesses uh, because business is different now. You know, in the older days, you know, when you know, you, you know, parents worked for 30 years and then they retired. They said they wanted an ice cream shop, they took out their savings and they opened up the ice cream shop. These days, people, individuals want to open up businesses without any uh, without any uh, 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 resources. And so that's very difficult because you can't open up a business without having any any uh, any money. You have to buy business cards. You have to have a website. You have to register your, your, your company. You have to have insurance and all of these. So what I find is that once you go through all of the preliminaries of what you really need to start a business, sometimes it really scares people because it's a lot that they didn't really think about. And so those are basic things that you have to have in order for you to be prepared to be able to move to those, those next steps. So, yes, there are government contracts out there. Yes, there are a lot of companies that want to deal with black businesses. But the the problem is, is that we are not ready to take on those contracts and to move into into those uh, those arenas. Sure, there are some black businesses because there are some exceptions to the rules. Yes, you have the the Oprah Winfrey's and you have the Junior Bridgman's who are excellent business people. But when you compare them to, to the total black population, they're very far few and uh, very few of them. So we have to start from the very beginning and teach that business education. So uh, with that said, I hope I answered your question. Yeah,
1: yeah that was great. I, I also it seems really clear that, you know, your uh your entrepreneurship, your kind of uh, incubator there. You are very inspired by you know the Breonna Taylor protests and kind of the the tragedy that happened with Breonna. Uh, you know, how specifically did that kind of you know how did that compel you uh, to change what you were doing with uh, Noir Black Chamber of Commerce?
3: Yeah, so so I think I think that with uh, the Breonna Taylor uh, protest. And uh, uh, what it actually happened was in the end, it ignited Black America. And uh, with the decision and the outcomes that, that resulted from that, Black people realized that we cannot rely on the system. If we're going to move forward, we have to believe in ourselves, and we have to put forth the effort ourselves to actually reach that plateau. And so I, you know, we saw a lot of energy, we saw a lot of you know new types of businesses coming about. But what I would say is that it's very, it was very difficult. Um, you know, at one point I was trying to meet with some of those protesters to find out why are you out here, you know, so that we can put pen to paper to uh, uh, work or identify where are the issues that you want to address and how are you going to address them. The issue was no one wants to put pen to paper. Everyone has an idea. Everyone wants to protest, but they don't want to come up with a strategic plan on how are you going to get there? How are you going to strategically move through the system to try to get the changes that you actually need? So, you know, so, yeah, you know, I wrote an article that, you know, you know, we there's a lot of noise, but there aren't very many people who are really uh, ready to put in the hard work. Uh, to uh, make those things happen,
1: that that I think makes a lot of sense. And Nate, uh, Nate from our our crew uh, has a similar, you know, appreciates that that perspective for sure. I guess uh, one thing I'd like to just ask you about, and then I'll throw it to my co-host. Uh, the Biden administration has put forward the Justice Forty. Uh, Which basically means that every, you know, all federal dollars are going out in the community, and of course, with the infrastructure law, with you know, the American Rescue Plan, a lot of federal dollars are going kind of out into the communities, Uh, and their commitment there is that at least 40% of those are going to be going into environmental justice communities, uh, communities of color that you know are battling other, uh, you know, kind of public health threats uh, because of their, you know, location proximity to you know, uh, to sources of pollution, etc. Is that something you guys are wrestling with? Are you thinking through strategies to kind of engage in that space? Or, uh, or, you know, what's your kind of what's your thought process around the Justice 40 initiative?
3: Yeah, so our chamber is really focused more on the educational part. And so, you know, uh, in regards to, you know, social justice and all of that, we we are a 501c3. We were actually able to get that designation because we're focused on education. So we're not allowed to lobby like a, a GLI, which is a 501c6, and so on. So, you know, we are trying to really just stay in the lane that we've identified and trying to see how do we build on those 10 pillars that we believe that are critical. To Black America, and so uh, there's, you know, uh, you know, you know, within those ten pillars, uh, a few things that you didn't hear. You didn't hear anything about hunger, uh, and so on. Hunger is a symptom. Uh, the disease or the root cause is why are you hungry? Is that education? Is that mental health? You have to uh, you have to figure out the root cause first be able to, to, in order to address that. And so, you know, um, you know, so, so we, we're not really kind of focused on that. I will say that with uh, the rescue plan and all the funding that was released for, uh, to try to support businesses and so on, um, um, I think those funds actually, and this was my opinion, was I think more black businesses closed than they were saved. Uh, And I realized that because there was such a rush to just get money out and to get money out to anyone. And so there were no stipulations. There was no requirement of confirming that they knew how to manage these dollars. And so if you give them money and they don't know how to manage the dollars, then what happens is, is they spend that money and then they owe that money back. So what I found out at one point, I was wondering to myself, is this the biggest Ponzi scheme that that was going on? They're giving out all this money. Of course, your small business. As you're a small business, everything is tied to your social security number. Even if you have a, a tax ID, uh, you have your tax ID number or whatever, um, and so you have to pay that money back. So so for me, I thought that, yes, they needed to get money out. But the second round, they should have put some stipulations on requirements that they know that people know how to manage this money and so on. And so I've had conversations with, uh, you know, my thoughts with the city was um, you need to require anyone who gets funds from the city that once a year they have to go through a financial education course, so that you know they know how to manage those dollars. Because um, I see that they give out funding, and next thing you know, the next month or two, the company is 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 isn't in in business anymore. So, uh, so you know, so those are kind of
0: my thoughts on that.
1: Great, thanks, John. Uh, all right, so uh, Kimberly or Doug? Question for John.
0: Uh, sure. I have something that I, I would like to ask. I, I wrote this down and you may have answered it already, but um, I just want to say it's it has to be gratifying to start with an idea and then build into something that I think you said you have members in, from 16 states mm-hmm. and uh, 280 members. I, my initial question was going to be, have you looked at trying to create chapters or whatever you might call it in the Lexington area or the Northern Kentucky area, but you may be looking at people who have joined from those areas as a part of the, I guess, the bigger organization.
3: Correct. And so what I would say is that, you know, what we try to do is market into those particular areas because we, as the entity create the programming online, so so we don't really need the chapters because the education is where they could just log on and get that and so on so if you could imagine uh just going to our website there's a calendar and every day there's a different speaker that's talking about uh community trauma or they're talking about you know education all of these different things and so that's what we're trying to create uh in addition to uh, you know, uh, uh, those other pillars. So, so yeah.
2: Well, I have something to say to Mr. Shaw Wu <laughs> that um, this is Black History Month and it's the last week of Black History Month. And I thought that we would go out with a bang because Mr. Shaw Wu has developed um, this program, this chamber And it has greatly uh, given all of us that are involved education ideas to be more creative and not only that he challenges us as well and holds us accountable, which is always key. So to me and to so many other um, people around this country, they really, really think of John Shaw Wu as a hero, because this is something that was totally needed. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I need what? a raise John.
3: Yeah. I don't know about that. I uh, know about that.
2: So yeah. I do communications community ambassador, uh, and I'm also John's executive assistant. So, um, no, but honestly, being very, very transparent with you, it's true what I'm saying about him. Um, he cares, and you don't run around, You don't. You don't run into people like that that really care and want you to win. Like he'll take you by the hand and yank you. Come on, you can finish. You can cross the finish line just a little bit more. Come on, come on. And I like that about him. And he's very. Uh, he's sharp. My Uncle Kenneth even said that. He said, oh, John Shawu, he's sharp. Um, he knows business. He's from Houston. And one of the other things that uh, Mr. Shawu didn't get an opportunity to say is that we, yes, Black members that are ADOS. And I think we talked about that one time uh, before Aaron on the show. ADOS means um, African descendants of slaves. That would be myself. But also, there is another part of the chamber called Friends of the Chamber. And that's where everyone that's not ADOS can also join, get information, lock arms together on what we're doing to help their endeavors as well. So those are some of the things that I really enjoy. Plus, we're having an event coming up on March the 24th. And John, he didn't tell you he was from Houston, Texas. He didn't tell you that um, he writes articles for magazines. He didn't tell you that he's been featured so many times in Business First magazine and so on and so forth. So that's my spiel about John Shawu. I think he makes Kentucky better, not just for us Black folks, but for everyone.
1: That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I buy that for sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Kimberly, thank you. John, thank you so much. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave our our, our viewers with? No,
3: I, I would just say, you know, as Kim said, you know, we have non-Black members; they receive the same services, and so. You know, for me, um, you know, success is movement. And so if you could put forth effort, effort is success, you know, even if you don't get it, at least you've put forth that effort, you've learned from it. And that gives you a roadmap to use what you've learned for your next, you know, uh, venture and so on. And so, you know, if there's someone who needs help, I'm always there, you know, and, um, You know, so you can always reach out to us at, uh, you know, Noir Black Chamber of Commerce. I'm sure Kim will uh, give you the information. And, you know, I'm all about, you know, Kentucky and uh, trying to uh, see how we can make the state grow. You know, currently we're losing more businesses than we're attracting. We're losing more talent than we're attracting. And what's unique about uh, Kentucky is we're in the right position within the country. Where we're located. And so we're, so, the living here is still affordable. Uh, and I think that it, it's a great place to live. We just need to increase our uh, middle class. And I think that's one of the issues is that we don't have a large enough middle class. And so I'm hoping that, you know, our legislature will look at. Um, Uh, eliminating uh, some of the taxes uh, uh, so that we can compete with Tennessee, income taxes, and so on. So we can compete with Tennessee and Texas and all of those states that are gaining so many companies uh, while we're actually losing them. Um, Also, um, we also have to figure out our retention problems. You know, Louisville has a retention issue. We lose, we we graduate a lot of students, but they leave here. So the question is, is what is missing? And so uh, I've been uh, working with a few people trying to figure out what is the next industry for Louisville. And so we've come up with a few ideas uh, that uh, might be able to attract, you know, new people here. Uh, But the question is, is can we retain them? And so, uh, so yeah, but uh, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, uh, like I said, if you need anything, just, just let me know.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate your, your thoughts and provocative ideas there about how to attract and retain businesses and talent. Uh, Absolutely concur. We need to do it. I think the, the, the pathways to, to get it done uh, require, you know, Folks working together for sure. Yeah. So uh, have a great, uh, a great rest of your week and the kind of last week of Black History Month and uh, go out there and make some history because it seems like uh, you're doing some amazing work here in Kentucky. We're we're glad to have uh, have your support uh, for our really important communities. So okay, uh, thank
3: you for what you're doing.
1: Awesome. Okay. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on now. We're going to close out the show. We got a few action items uh, to uh, to let you know about uh, before we before we close out. Uh, so, uh, we absolutely need action. Uh, I think John Chai Wu was, uh, you know, really nailed it there. Uh, effort. We need to put effort in. Uh, That's the success. We need your effort. We are not messing around. We're going to make our state more politically engaged. Uh, We're going to win more progressive representation. We've got a plan to do it, but we need your support to make the plan a reality. So right now we are going door to door. We did a a weekend canvas last weekend in Winchester. We're calling uh, into rural counties to help determine the best, most powerful way to discuss economic issues with rural county voters. Voters we're going to need to support progressive policies and politicians if we're ever going to see a more compassionate Commonwealth. This organizing will be critical to persuade more people to vote. For politicians who will stand against the GOP, anti-worker, anti-teacher, anti-public health agenda to turn out those voters, to win close elections. Please sign up right now to help out. Uh, we are canvassing this Saturday. Join us in Franklin County, 2 to 5. Uh, reach out to uh, me to find out more and to sign up. Info at KY org is the email address you can hit us up at or leave a comment in the uh in the chat chat us up in the comments we will let you know about how to where to meet up with us in franklin county uh one other action item this one is a little easier than going out and knocking on doors and talking to strangers uh you just got to call a stranger but they're the nicest people in the world we're going to ask you to call the legislative comment line they're the most wonderful People, So uh, we got HB 341, which we've mentioned, I think, a couple of times. You Remember, Lane Boldman was on a couple of weeks back from Kentucky Conservation uh, Committee, and uh, uh, Lane mentioned this bill. Utilities are absolutely at it again. House Bill 341 would streamline the process that utilities use to raise our rates. Severely limit the ways that the public and public advocates can participate in the Public Service Commission's regulatory process. Make a quick call to the legislative message line to oppose the bill at 1-800-372-7181. Just let them know you're calling to leave a message for the Senate and House leadership and all of the House Natural Resources Committee vote no on hb 341 help protect customers from increased utility bills and limited public participation in the psc process that's all you gotta say it's that simple they'll take down your name they'll figure out who your representative is but tell them you want to talk to the uh leave a message for the senate and house leadership and the house natural resources committee so uh, that is what we've got going on uh direct action this week uh, there's also some really cool stuff happening from our partners KFTC is doing a virtual learning and take action event on the 28th at 6 p.m. Uh, they are also doing a rally at the Capitol uh, on March 1st. They've also got uh, Economic Justice Day at the Capitol uh, on March 8th. Uh, there's also a voting rights issue introduction webinar that KFTC and Hood to the Holler are doing on the 22nd of March. So lots and lots of opportunities to, uh, to get involved. Uh, as the legislative uh, session you know, moves into that kind of back half, uh, things can really get a little bit crazy. It's really important to kind of watch closely uh, what they're up to uh, and try to stop the bad stuff from moving forward and uh, take advantage of our last opportunities to get some good stuff passed. So again, shout out to the the Senate today voting unanimously to try to claw back some money from Brady Industries, uh, $15 million in taxpayer funds. We We deserve that back. We'll see if we get it uh i'm not gonna be betting on that because uh you know uh i like my money but at any rate uh with that i'm gonna send it over to uh my fantastic co-host uh who did in fact line up tonight's guest uh if you caught that uh it wasn't a conflict of interest but there was certainly some familiarity with the uh the content and the organization so kimberly cecil jones why don't you take us out Oh,
2: thank you. Okay. So I just want to say thank you tonight to our, our wonderful guest, uh, Mr. John Shaw Wu of the Noir Black Chamber of Commerce, and also to Dougie Fresh, Doug Price. It was so great having Doug's prices right back. And always to like one of the best hosts this side of the mississippi and that would be mr aaron viles so come back next week okay 7 p.m we will be joined by nina and mickey mccoy our good friends from martin county concerned citizens i love them they are like I love them. Who will give us an update on how the water is flowing in Morton County and what the General Assembly or Governor Bashir could do to help their long-suffering community out. They do need help. We'll also be bringing back our campaign corner segment, a quick hit interview with an advocate and we'll be joined by Rebecca Blankenship with the band Conversion Therapy with an update on their most important efforts for LGBTQIA rights. Progress Kentucky. Oh, yes. I just want to tell you our disclaimer as usual. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State, organized as a 501C4, is affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance voter engagement known as CAVE Progress. Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. So some graphic content was uh, provided by Couch Fire Media, our friends over there. Uh, you can look at more of their work at couchfiremedia.com. And I would be so remiss if we did not give a shout out to our social media chair that produces this show for us, Miss Annabelle Nagel. We love her. Thanks Annabelle for what you do every week. And the Jones Report is coming back up very, very soon. Thank you to Nate. Oh, my gosh, that song, it gets me hyped up and I'm dancing. So you can find more information and hear some of his great songs at natosongs.com, N-A-T-O, songs.com. And if you miss our weekly live stream, don't fret. Just go on Facebook. You can rewatch the shows and see our source links underneath in the comments, or you can listen to our audio podcasts, which are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. So everyone, you know what I'm going to say, do something nice this week. It doesn't cost you anything to have a smile for someone, call someone up, text someone, inbox someone, say, hey, I was just thinking about you. I don't want anything from you. Just thinking about you, sending positive energy your way. So do it. And until then, same bat channel, same time. See you next week on Wednesday. Have a good week.